0: Hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown, episode two the weekly podcast brought to you by Matchroom Boxing, where we'll be joined by some very familiar names to discuss the latest goings on in the world of boxing and have a lot of fun as we do just that. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, and once again, I'm joined by my Matchroom colleague, Scott Hamilton. We've got another great podcast for you all to look forward to. No show for us this week, but huge news dropping overnight. Connor Ben. Chris Eubank, October 8th at the O2 Arena in London, live on the zone pay per view. The rivalry continues, it's in their bloodline, and believe me when I say, we are just as excited as you are. Stay tuned across all of the Matron boxing socials. Ticket information for Eubank Junior Ben dropping very, very soon. Back to the show though. This week, we'll be catching up with the new star of the Steel City, British super lightweight champion Dalton Smith joins us to reflect on his weekend success. Golden Boy's Roberto Diaz joins us to talk the challenges of matchmaking and mapping out a fighter's path to the very top. Pound for Pound Queen, what an honor to have Katie Taylor on the show to reflect on her golden experience in London 10 years on and what's next for her. The gorilla John Ryder, he looks to leapfrog Darren Barker on our dance partner's leaderboard and unbeaten Galalia Fai has his say on the best things happen in boxing last week. All coming up in the next half hour or so. Don't go anywhere. Well, Galalia Fire was ringside in Sheffield last Saturday for what was a real breakout night for Dalton Smith. Thunder, the coolest man in the building all week, the coolest man in the ring on Saturday night and the new British Super Lightweight Champion joins us first. Well, Dalton, thanks so much for joining us all the way from sunny Croatia. True dedication to do this interview on your holiday. Um, when, did you, when did you get out there, mate? Um,
1: we came yesterday, so, so literally just walking around trying to find where to go and stuff, but... Uh, but yeah, just just nice to come
0: away for a week. Have you found the pub yet? That was the
1: first thing we found.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just talk to straight, me about straight off the straight off the plane, and we were
2: here. So typical Brits abroad, love it. That's it.
0: <laughs> just talk to me about that, Dalton. Because you said in the post-fight interview with me on Saturday night that you weren't necessarily too bothered about talking about what was next. You just needed a few days to take yourself away and unwind a little bit. Is that exactly what's on the agenda for this week?
1: Yeah, that's it. You know, you just. I'm- you know, obviously the last I've done like three camps back to back now, so I've, this year has been con, like consistent for me and um, yeah, it's just, just nice to get away, switch off for you know a week or so. Um, you know, but obviously we're back in camp before we know it, and, and it all starts again. So it's like like you say it's just, just 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 good to have a little switch
0: off. What did you do on uh, Sunday to celebrate, Dalton? Was that very much a day with the family? Because I know on Saturday night you walked back into the hotel with your British title on your shoulder, got a nice little a yeah. round of applause from everyone as well to welcome you back. But how did you spend the rest? The weekend
1: yeah you know obviously it was good um after the fight and stuff you know getting to see everyone but sunday for me i had to every everything for the, for the holidays so i've not really had time to you know, sit down and reflect on, on the weekend everything's just like being one thing after another so you know i think after this week once i've, I've got off my holiday and stuff you know i think i learned you know sit down and set, assess the weekend and, and yeah just just reflect on it like that but He's just been hundred mile an hour since the fight.
0: It must have been a big occasion, Dalton, because we actually managed to get your father, Grant, in front of camera. And I know interviews yeah. certainly aren't his his favourite pastime, are they?
1: Yeah, that's no, it. You know, everyone knows what he's like. He's not he's not one for cameras, but I think you got him in a you got him in a in a good moment. I think that's why you need to take advantage of him. You know, it was a good good night. He was you know he was proud. He was big big. It's a big night for us all, really.
2: Dalton, um, I want to just touch on your your sparring with Luke Campbell down recent years. Obviously, Sam O'Mazin was a southpaw. How much did learning and banking those rounds with Luke help your development over the last year or so, or even further now, actually?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the sparring I've done over the years with Luke. Um, you know, I even did a bit while he was, while I was still on the, on the GB team, and you know, it always comes down to experience as well. And travel traveling the world with GB, and you're fighting you're fighting all different styles, southpaw and orthodox, and, and you're not able to study the fighters. You know, you go to tournaments, and they do the draw, you only find out on the day and stuff. So you've got you've got to learn to adapt, and I just think that's over the years of be, you know doing that, and obviously getting the top sparring with you know like Luke Campbell jack Castrol, obviously for this camp the experience you pick up
2: definitely and talking of picking things up you picked up your fourth professional title already seems to yeah. be um, a bit of a, an ethos a bit of a strategic plan from the team to bank as many belts as possible you know some fighters actively don't pursue certain belts whereas you seem to be wanting to go out your way and pick up every single belt you can is that is that the plan
1: yeah that's the plan and you know i've got, I've got uh, you know eddie and dad sean or tool to thank for that you know an stm i'm my management because you know for me I just do the training and leave the other you know that side of stuff to them, and uh, you know, I, w- I want to get to the end of my career, and you know, I want to achieve the most possible. You know, pick up as many belts as I can, because like it's, it's a career what's over and done before you know it. If I could, if I I can get a new belt, you know, that that's the
0: way I want to do it. Dalton, uh, just on that, Casey Benjamin is your mandatory. Just talking about yeah. maybe picking up a couple more. Sam Maxwell has got the Commonwealth. Is, is that a fight that interests you? Are you interested in both of them fights? Yeah,
1: obviously, you know, he's he's a mandatory for the British. Obviously, it'd be nice to get the Commonwealth as well, I have the British and the Commonwealth at the same time. But yeah, like I say, you know, I'll just leave that to my dad and, and my team and Eddie and whoever they put in front of me to fight you know that's, that's what I prepare for you know because if I, if I want to reach the top you know I've got to go through through anyone who you know comes comes in, in my path
0: Just a word Dalton on the atmosphere incredible really over 5,000 uh, yeah. in the Sheffield Arena last Saturday just yeah. talk to me about that were you, were you blown away by the support? You know, it was overwhelming you know when I
1: was stood there walking out I was just like wow like I did not expect this. When the band and stuff was playing, you know, everyone just just singing and all the Wednesday songs. I was just walking out and just soaking it up, and I, I was just thinking, like, this is, this is dreams come true. This is when you're a little kid and you go to these big fights, you, you think, you know, I, I wish, I want this to be me one day, you know, and actually being able to do a ring walk and getting the reception I did from, you know, all the support, just unreal. And I think, you know, when I sit, sit back and watch it back, you know, go through all the videos and the atmosphere from the night, I think that's when it'll really hit
0: home. You were, you were so calm, Dalton. I think that was perhaps the most impressive thing for, from my perspective, not just throughout the whole week, but also in the ring. And it translated in your performance. What did you do to, to help keep yourself composed that night?
1: I think I, think I knew I had to, you know, I, even the build-up to the fight, everyone was like, oh, don't you feel like there's more pressure? It's a big occasion in your own town. And, and I always say, you you've only got as much pressure as you put on yourself and all I had to do was just stay calm. Just just all I had to do was be Dalton Smith. You know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to play up to the crowd or anything like that because I knew I knew it would have affected my performance. You know, and I think you've seen like after the first knockdown, you know, I was eager to, to get him out of there. My dad just like sat me down. He was like, look, you don't need to, try and blast this kid out, he says that'll come and that, that's just why it was about, you know, even all the old build up, I just took it as, as I have any other fight and I think that's why you know, I performed like I did, I, I was calm and like I say, it was just, just about staying calm and not letting the occasion get to me.
0: I think it was me, you and Darren Barker, Dalton, who were having this conversation after the fight and you were telling us about some new breathing control methods you've been doing? Yeah, so I got into
1: the to the, the breathing techniques and stuff it was <clears throat> and, and like the ice cold therapy and I did a lot on a guy called Gracie. and Grace. He was, he was an, a jiu jitsu guy uh, from Brazil. You know, and I've been watching a lot on him, how we, um, you know, his breathing techniques and what he did through his career and, 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 and obviously adapted them to what works with me. And, you know, I, I probably would say that that has been, you know, a big, a big, big thing. It, it definitely helped in keeping me calm and keeping me relaxed. I'd probably even say the nerves as well because when I was actually doing the ring walk, I was thinking, is it normal to feel this relaxed? I had, no, I had no, like, the nerves when everything. I just felt so calm and you know, I think that's why I was so composed.
0: And just on that, I suppose, as much as there's so many benefits of having your dad in your corner... Spending all that yeah. time with him in the gym and at home, has it helped the dynamic between you two as well? Because in the corner and throughout the whole fight week, you seem closer than ever.
1: Yeah, I think we, I think we knew we had to be. And I'm at a stage in my career now where you know the fights are getting bigger. The He's more eyes, he's more pressure, so can't afford to have no slip ups. Like I say, it's just about staying calm and anything that comes comes our way. If it, if, it, if it's negative, if it, I'm ever in a fight where it's not going my way. We've just got to be able to adapt and, and, and deal with things. And obviously my dad knows me better than anybody else. We just now have to work with each other. Dalton,
0: a great team, a great people. You're certainly a great fighter. As Sheffield has a new star. Yep. Put your sun cream on, mate. Enjoy your holiday. That's it. And, uh,
1: Definitely, I need I need the sun cream. <laughs> factor fifty, mate. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But uh, but no, a great weekend, and thank you for having me on.
0: Well, a very successful night in Sheffield for a lot of our matchroom prospects. Great to see Sandy Ryan exacting revenge over Erica Ferris. It meant so much to her to have her hand raised. So that was great to see. Johnny Fisher back in the ring. Little bit of a layoff for Johnny actually through a hand injury, but he returned with a knockout victory over Rising. That's so great to see. Jordan, uh, Jordan Thompson climbed off the canvas in the last round. A little bit heart-in-mouth moment from the matchroom team there, but he'd have learned more in them 10 seconds, I'm sure, than his previous 13 fights combined. So excited for the future in the Cruiserweight Division for Jordan Campbell-Hatton, good performance from him against a tough Dufek and Hopi Price. Always impressing each and every fight he has. A young prospect who's certainly willing to be thrown in against tough opponents in those learning fights. Keep Fiaz, great to see him back on a matchroom show. A very difficult year for Akeeb, of course, in which he lost his dear mother and his best friend in the space of a very short amount of weeks throughout the pandemic. And he spoke very honestly throughout the week about how much his mother's love that he still feels motivates him when he's walking to the ring. Well, that brings us on nicely to Saudi Arabia, of course. The small matter of the rage on the Red Sea. Usyk Joshua 2, the World Heavyweight Unification rematch. Scott, excited to go back to the desert?
2: I am, yes. Yeah, fifth time in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I can't believe how quickly it's come around. It only feels like yesterday. We pulled the trigger and and posted it and and said the fight was on. So quick.
0: Just talk to me about the weather Uh, at this time of year. Sure. I mean, you went for, obviously, the first fight in Riyadh was in December.
2: Yeah, we was there a couple of weeks back for the launch press conference, and we pretty much walked down the road, um, got 100 yards down the road, and my T-shirt was absolutely drenched. So, nice. yeah, I think the Factor 50 will be coming out. But yeah, fond memories of Saudi Arabia. Uh, First went when Callum Smith dethroned George Groves. And that might have been the first time I ever got in a boxing ring as well. Yeah, good good times looking back. And fingers crossed AJ can bring the belts back as he did against Andy Ruiz in uh, Riyadh last time.
0: Absolutely. Massive night for AJ. And just on producer Scott there and his attire, he said his T-shirt was wet through. I remember the first, my first day actually in the job was a Dave Allen workout before he boxed David Price, I believe. And it was about 30 degrees in London. Scott was wearing his Canada Goose jacket. It was absolutely roasting, and I said to him, a bit nervously, first day, Scott, are you, are you not hot? And he said, one thing you know about me, son, I've always got a jacket on.
2: Certainly will not be taking a coat over to Saudi
0: Arabia. <laughs> absolutely not needed. And just looking at my notes here, I can't believe I forgot to talk about Kieran Conway. So I'm apologised, Kieran, for that, if you are listening. I think part of the reason that I may have missed him off is because that fight with Gregory Trinnell, opening before the bell at 4pm in Sheffield, was so under the radar, but it was a massively important fight for his career. He returns to the Canelo Alvarez undercard, Triple G, September 17th, Sin City what an event that is to be a part of for us.
2: It's absolutely huge. Just over a month away. Again, that's come around really quick as well. I don't know if that's a sign of getting old, but everything seems to be coming around um, quicker and quicker. But you can't wait. I mean, absolute mega fight. We was only in Vegas, what, a month or two back for the Bivol fight. So looking forward to, to going back in and uh, getting a show on the road.
0: We're talking about Jordan Thompson, learning from his mistakes. I nearly missed the flight home um, after the Bivol fight when I was at a pool party and got a few dodgy looks from Eddie and Frank. That evening so I'll be learning from that but it's all character building hey Scott?
2: it is yes yeah and I think the flight home's early as well on the Sunday so um, yeah don't be staying out
0: too late this time mm, we'll see about that from the pound for pound king Canelo Alvarez to the pound for pound queen Katie Taylor we catch up with the undisputed lightweight champion of the world who joins us next Well, we're absolutely delighted to be joined by Katie Taylor on our Ringside Reflection segment of the show today. Ten years on from Olympic gold in London. Katie, time flies. Does it feel like it's been ten yeah. years to the day?
3: It, it does not it doesn't. I mean, I can definitely remember today as if it was yesterday, but a lot happened in ten years as well. So I think there's, there's a bit of both there. But, um, yeah, just an amazing moment. Uh, my childhood dream obviously coming to pass. But like I said, I, I, I remember it today so well. I think I was going to that competition when... Um, there's so much expectations on me as well. I was in the whole wave and nation was on my shoulders on that competition so the pressure the pressure was absolutely obviously- is absolutely huge in, in, during that competition. I think the first emotion I actually felt when I won the gold medal uh, was just relief, to be honest, uh, relief and enjoy and, and everything else. So it's obviously one one of the proudest moments of my life and, uh, and career.
0: Well, it was such a, a special atmosphere, wasn't it, throughout the whole tournament in London? I know yeah. you're not a massive fan, Katie, of, of maybe looking back at the past, but like we say, given it's been 10 years to the day, maybe you won't yeah. mind as much. And if I promise you, we'll leave it another 10 yeah. years. Is that a fair deal?
3: Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good, Jamie. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. So let's just talk um, about, yeah. first of all, the quarterfinals, Tasha Jonas, someone you know very well, someone mm-hmm. you've gone on to have a great fight with as a professional yeah. as well. How do you reflect on that? Because that yeah. fight in particular, the atmosphere was something very special.
3: Yeah, the atmosphere was incredible for that fight. I think you're saying that we actually both developed at a level.
0: And um, arena that day It was the highest uh, record
3: and noise in the whole uh, Olympic Games for, for, that, uh, for that particular fight. So. Um, everyone was obviously on their knees. That so the atmosphere was uh, on their feet. The atmosphere was absolutely incredible. I just remember before that, I even was just putting on my Olympic kit to, be, to shorten the short and the vest. And um, this is something that I obviously dreamt of uh, since I was a ten-year-old kid, kid. And just looking at the Olympic rings on my uh, on my shorts, my vest, and um, nearly pinching myself. This is actually happening. I'm actually going to be officially representing my country get the games
0: too. I'm moving on to the semi. Uh, Mavzuna Sharova. I really hope uh, I've pronounced that right. You'd actually booked <laughs> uh, three months previous. How much did that help with your preparation yeah. heading into that fight?
3: Uh, yeah, I think it did help an awful lot. Um she was obviously a top fighter for years. Yeah, I was glad to have, to have gotten a feel for um a few months before in the, the world championships. So she was a very very tricky fighter, actually uh, technically very good, um a, a very good uh, counter as well. So I knew I had to go, I had to be uh, my absolute best, and that why I had to be sharp uh, during during the whole fight. And um, it was always a really really cagey fight between the two of us. But, um yeah, I I obviously. Uh, Won won very well in the end, she was she was, a, she was a great opponent as well. I think she was actually the first of ever from Tajikistan, so she was a history maker herself in her own life.
0: And the final, Sofia uh Let's talk about this and the, how you yeah. felt heading into that fight. You've talked about having to pinch yourself when you're in the dressing room. You'd you, She was a southpaw. You'd beat her three or four times previously. Mm-hmm. I think she'd beat you as well once. Just talk to us about yeah, how you reflect on, on that final.
3: Yeah, me and um, myself and Zen to be a uh, like uh, the four times and each time we actually fought it was neck and neck between the two of we us. We're definitely the number one team in the in the weight division and um, the first time we actually boxed, uh, she actually beat me. and I beat her the other three times. I had to get had to get that point in, but the first time uh we fought she actually beat me. So, um yeah, um, a very very close fight. Um, I knew it was going to be a real cagey affair again. The brilliant technical self self-paw, uh, very very sharp. And um, I obviously saw it that day in front of like ten thousand Irish people. Um, I think the the tickets were sold out for that for that event months and months in advance. And everyone in Ireland assumed that uh, that I was just going to win the gold medal. Um, so the pressure going into that fight was absolutely huge as well. I don't think it's left a minute The night the night before that fight night, I, I went into that fight without a minutes sleep, just being anxious and nervous about the about the fight and and obviously my childhood dream uh, was to be an Olympic champion and this was it this was the day that 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 was going to happen and uh, it's just an amazing moment
0: if you fast forward 10 years then to the present day you've you've just been involved in Mm -hmm. the biggest female boxing fight of all time at Madison Square Garden Mm -hmm. how would you compare the emotions the feelings that pressure heading into an Olympic final and heading into an undisputed title defence how would you compare those two? yeah I
3: think obviously amateur and professional boxing are obviously two very very different sports but um I think it definitely helped that I had that experience behind me as well going to the, the Madison Square Garden fight. Um I don't think anybody anything can c could uh, compare uh, to the pressure that I felt actually going to the Olympic games. That pressure is absolutely huge. Like I said, I, I really felt like um the whole wave of nation was actually on my shoulders uh, during that competition and I I knew the once I got you uh, those Olympic games that could actually uh, get through anything in life. <laughs> So that's how. That's how um, much pressure I felt during that competition, and um, there's obviously a lot of pressure as well going into the last fight. But it was definitely good that I had that experience behind me. I I I was involved in big fights before. I was involved in big 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 events before, where where there was a lot of pressure
0: and I knew exactly how to deal with that. Did you feel a, a shift in the perception of women's boxing? Obviously Kate you're a massive trailblazer yourself and I know you hate being called a role model but you certainly are that but mm-hmm. in the immediate aftermath of them games did you feel the, the the perception and the tides changing slightly towards women's boxing?
3: Yeah I definitely do. I think that, that was the first time really in the, in the history of women's boxing that people actually saw women's boxing live and have uh, you seen the best of women's boxing during that during that competition? And the standard uh, during that competition was their standard as well. I mean, Nick Adams was a was a gold medalist myself, and then Clarissa Shields was obviously the gold medal in the the, the the high weight division as well. So three three really great champions there, and the standard was was absolutely huge and monumental moment really in the history of women's boxing.
2: Katie, we asked uh, Darren Barker last week, where does the IBF world title sit? Uh, and he said it's on his mum and dad's wall. So where does your Olympic gold medal sit? <laughs>
3: It's actually uh, back home in my house in Ireland, I believe, uh, um, just in the, in the trophy room there. <laughs> I haven't got any special place where it. it's just in the middle of the trophy room, uh, surrounded by, the, by all the belts as well, so it's, uh, definitely, it's definitely looking well the trophy room is right now, so I'm very, very proud.
0: Casey, how big is that trophy room? It must be humongous.
3: <laughs> um, it's definitely getting full at the minute, that's for sure, but it's a great complaint to have it, I, I suppose, but... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, to be honest with you, when I'm looking back at my whole career, the, the most amazing part about it is just seeing the fact that I, I can't have and I'm and, and boxing and seeing all the amount of the young girls actually boxing now. When I started boxing as a 10 year old, there was no such thing really as women's boxing as the only female fighter in, in any boxing club in, in Ireland. And now when you walk into to the boxing gyms back home, um, it's packed with female fighters and that to me is, is the most satisfying part about this it's the most amazing part about that and yeah I just love the fact that we've been able to, to break down so many boundaries over the last
0: few, few years well let's talk about the present day then Katie the fight with Amanda Serrano watching from ringside I'm still not over how special it was and how <laughs> incredible the atmosphere was yeah. at MSG when you look back on it now and you think back on it now how much of a smile does that bring to your face how does it make you feel?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, absolutely incredible. To be honest, I never thought that anything would, would ever surpass uh, the London Olympic Games and my Olympic gold medal. So I think that night in Manchester Square Garden definitely did surpass it. Wow. Um, definitely the most special moment of my, of my career to date. Um, there's, I think there's like 6,000 Irish people who actually travel over to the fight. And the atmosphere between the Irish fans and the Puerto Rican fans is just absolutely incredible. Um, we couldn't even hear the bell ring high. sometimes during, during, a, during the fight. It was that loud in the actual arena. And um it was being dubbed as the biggest fight in female boxing history. And I think we, we definitely surpassed everybody's expectations about the fight. It was a huge moment for the sport. And, um yeah, just the history making you know, fight.
0: The atmosphere throughout the whole week was so special. And I was watching you when you came onto the stage at the weigh-in. It was absolutely jam-packed in the Hulu mm. theater, wasn't it? And I was just watching yeah. you. You took a few seconds to soak it all in before you hit the scale. And there was a smile on your face. It looked like, to me, it was almost like a we've done it type moment in your mind is that a fair assessment for what you were thinking at the time
3: I think so yeah I mean I think uh, ever since the fight was actually announced and a few months before that um, I could feel the excitement and the buzz from, it, from everybody but it definitely did even surpass my expectations I didn't uh, expect just the fight itself to be, uh, to be that incredible just even the, the comments afterwards and even like you said even the way in just the, how, how packed the weigh-in actually was and the atmosphere for the weigh-in was, was, was so so special as well it definitely felt like it felt like one of those super mega fights, and yeah, I'm just glad that we, yeah, we did do it, and what this is going to do for so women fighters everywhere—it's just, it's just so so special.
0: Myself and Scott, along with a lot of other members of the Matrim team, were all watching from the media pen ringside at MSG, and in that fifth round, mm. when I tell you there was a few nerves flying around—that uh, was yeah. putting it lightly—now you've come through. Sorry about that. Now you've come through, <laughs> through, <about> <laughs> <laughs> you've come through <laughs> those moments, Katie. Can, can you admit now? You know that was. Probably the toughest period of any round of any fight you've been through in your professional journey.
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, It it was obviously, uh, and that was the fight. There is a possibility that you are going to get hurt at some stage, and that's where all the training comes in, doesn't it? I mean, I, I, for months and months before that fight, I was uh, putting the work in in the gym. I was, I was putting myself through through the trenches every single day in training camp, and um, and that's when it counts. When you're in tough moments in in, in the fight uh, like that, and you can show the heart, you can show the courage, you can show everything that you showed during training camp. You can't. That's not something that you, yeah, that you can just muster up during the fight. But you have to put the work in during training camp to to get through those moments and. Um, I'm just glad I was able to get through that, that, that tough moment. and uh, From then on in, like, the sixth round was obviously a bit better than the fifth. And then from, from then on, the seventh the tenth round was, was quite good. Well, the tenth round, I, I went to war a small bit more. But the seventh, eighth and ninth round were, were obviously very, very good.
0: I actually asked Derek Chisora this question. I said, how many times do you watch your fights back? And he answered... Well, why would I watch the fight back? I was in the fight. I don't need to watch it back. Yeah. Do, you, do you watch the fights back, Kate? Have you watched the Serrano fight back?
3: I actually watched a few clips here and there, but I actually never uh, sit down and watch the whole fight back. But um, I sit down with my coach, uh, with Ross, and uh, um, we always watch a few clips uh, that he wanted to show me go past, the good parts, the the good parts, the bad parts, the parts where I need to improve on. And I think it's uh, obviously very important to do that. And it's it's good to know where what mistakes you actually made as well. Um, but I don't actually like what watching the whole fight back, to be honest, because just like Derek, I, I was there. I know, what, I know what happened, but it is good to do, to, to sit back and just go to a fight with, with my coach, and uh, he picks uh, out a few, a few things that he wants to show me.
0: Well, there you go. A mutual opinion between Derek Chisora and Katie Taylor. I never thought I'd be saying this on the <laughs> podcast. But, uh, <laughs> Amanda's fight, Katie, of course, fell through very recently due to the Jake uh, the Jake Paul card being cancelled in New York. How do you think hmm. that could affect plans for the re, uh, for the rematch? you think that might delay it slightly? What's, what's your opinion on that?
3: Uh, I don't think it will, it will delay it slightly. I think I was obviously hoping for a rematch with Amanda uh, straight after, um, the last fight but obviously that wasn't going to happen I don't think uh, the fight's going to happen uh, until next year anyway so I don't think it will, it will delay things any more than it was going to be delayed yeah I, I don't think it'll have much much effect on, on the rematch yet to be quite honest
0: Well I expect you're currently in the gym working hard to get down to 126 pounds right Katie as Jake Paul's oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 I know what's
3: that about <laughs> I've never heard that so it's nonsense in all my life <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've never, I'm, I've never ever heard uh, someone say something as stupid as that. <laughs> to be on.
0: Do you think I spoke to Brian Peters about this, Katie, and he said I don't think Katie's boxed lower than one thirty since she was an amateur. Do you think uh, it's a bit of naivety on Jake's part?
3: Um, I, I think they're just trying to uh, play a few games. Maybe I'm not even sure. I, I'm pretty sure he, he knows that uh, I'm not going to get down to one twenty six. I mean, at the end of the day. I don't think I've ever heard that in boxing where the champion actually wins and and you yeah, know like we only want to rematch at a, a low weight division and it is real real nonsense uh, to cry quite us and um, I don't know if it's uh, if he's playing games or it is a bit of naivety from from him but um, obviously the the fight the rematch is going to be at one hundred three five pounds I am the champion and if he wants to get the fight back that's that's still the way the division is going to be out.
0: Yeah. like you say that rematch isn't going to be next I know you and I know you want to keep active the likes of. Chris Cyborg have been mentioned. Are there interim fights that interest you? Is that one of them? What can you tell us about? Could be on the agenda.
3: Yeah, I think there were talk there talking to, to like the Chris Cyborg, and um, I, I obviously just want to be involved in big, big fights. And I'm not sure who uh, I'm going uh, next right now. Um, I think, uh, and I think Brian and and Ross are still kind of talking about those those things, but. I, I, I obviously, uh, I'm planning to be out by the end of the year, probably November, December sometime, and, and um, I'm just itching to get back or really, um, to get back into the ring and, and to get my flight announced at this stage. I've been in the gym. I think I only had like two or three days, days off after the, the amount of surround of was already, already back in the gym, so, and I'm just itching to go at this stage.
0: And, of course, you want to be involved in the biggest parts possible, as you always are. Croke Park, mm-hmm. is that one of the final boxes left to tick?
3: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, that would be an absolute dream. It's, it's a shame, really. I'm, I'm one fight since my career and I've never actually fought on Ireland. So, uh, that would be absolutely huge uh, to be Oxford and Croke Park, the biggest arena in Ireland. 80,000 Irish people are uh, in the stage And, yeah, that would be uh, a dream for me.
4: And, Casey,
2: just wrapping up and sort of coming full circle to what we spoke about at the top of the segment... Uh, one person who you have inspired is uh, Kelly Harrington, who obviously went on to win gold, mm. and Kelly beat uh, our new signing, Beatrice Ferreira. What can you tell us about yeah. uh, Ferreira, who is also managed by Brian Peters? What can you tell us about Beatrice to get excited about there?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I've known Beatrice of, of for the last few years, and she's obviously been so consistent over the last few years. Uh, won a world League gold medal a few years back, uh, being involved in, in the Olympic Games I and mean, even uh, the last world championships as She was very successful, so she's a fantastic fighter, and um, I think her style is actually made for her program Actually excited to watch her. She's a uh, fantastic, um, aggressive fighter. Uh, very, very exciting to watch. She has a big punch as well. I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely really, really excited to actually watch her progress in the pro game. I think she's going to do say, great things in the sport. And yeah, I, I can't wait to watch her.
2: And obviously, uh, Ferreira was aiming to go back in at Paris and, and try and claim the gold this time around. Since the mm. Olympic ruling has changed and allowed for professionals to switch, have you considered going back in to try and become maybe two-time Olympic gold medalist?
3: Um, I haven't really. uh I wouldn't really have any interest. in you know, do that right now I think I feel like I, I've done that uh, you know I've, uh, I've been at the games I've won my gold medal and there's so many young fighters in Ireland right now who are outstanding uh, uh, young fighters and I think that's, that's for them to actually achieve And I'm sitting here very very happy that I've actually achieved my, my childhood dream and now it's their turn to actually make history in the in the sport and yeah, but the uh, and, and obviously professional boxing and amateur boxing are very, very different as well. I don't I'm nearly uh I have had to adjust so much over the last few years to get used to the pro game. It'd be strange when we get back into the amateur game and now I'm I try to, to go back to the to the amateur system. So um yeah, I I'll leave that to the young guns.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well Katie it's always a great pleasure to catch up we appreciate your time greatly here coming on the show we look yeah. forward to fight news dropping soon and also seeing you down at featherweight so we look forward to it <laughs> yeah
3: exactly <It's> okay, <laughs> i'll just okay, chop off of my arm <laughs> <laughs> thank,
0: you, thank you so much Kate. we'll see you soon Take care, right. thank Goodbye. you so much jamie
3: Cheers. thanks
2: Oscar okay bye bye well jamie you remember last week on the show we dropped our email address for, for people to drop any questions comments General feedback. We've actually had a couple of fan emails in. I say fan very loosely. No
0: abuse yet? Not yet, but uh, <laughs> wait for next week. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I'm waiting for that. Sorry, producer Scott's just dropped all his notes here, so we just had to take a brief pause there. I think he's going to... You ready now, Scott?
2: Just about. First one is from a Mr. Peter Ward. Jamie, is that your Ooh. uncle by any chance? Might be. A <laughs> long lost uncle. <laughs> well, Peter sent in some very nice words, along with the following question. Where did you two meet? Inside the job or beforehand?
0: Uh, Well, interestingly enough, I I think we mentioned it on last week's podcast, I was a runner at the live shows and I was Darren Barker's T-boy. So essentially, we met on the back of that, a job came up, I applied for the job, and I met Scott when Ted Cheeseman boxed Sergio Garcia at the O2 in a little back room at the arena to have a sort of brief meeting, interview, not really, how would you describe what that was?
2: Yeah, I guess it was a bit of a (laughs) a preliminary job interview. Didn't a rat walking along the floor have I made that up yeah
0: a mouse mouse we're at the same thing you know what it was good though I remember I was really nervous obviously and I'd rehearsed all this script in my head before I met you in the hotel room I was pacing around doing it in the mirror when the mouse appeared it broke all the ice Do you remember? Well, it did for me. You probably, you wouldn't have been nervous at all. I was, it broke all the ice. I don't know if that was some sort of, maybe it was a little spiritual animal coming to Did you have the mouse
2: and you let it loose in the OT?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rumble, there's your exclusive. I might as well admit it on the air.
2: (laughs) Stephen Kirby asks, as a resident of Nice, when are you guys coming back to Monte Carlo? I've been to three of the previous events. They are unbelievable. What an experience. It's a great, uh, it's a great spot, isn't it?
0: What an experience. Certainly
2: a show on the calendar that uh, all the staff really look forward to.
0: Loved it. Wearing a tuxedo, even that, even to the event, you know the, the small things from that. Monte Carlo, what a place! I mean, makes you appreciate that you're not that well off. I think when you're walking around there.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I would say if anyone's thinking about coming um, to s- subsequent events, save up in advance because a, a diet coke's about thirteen euros in itself.
0: The cars. If you're a petrol head, what a place to go and visit because the car, every car's a Bugatti Veyron. It's insane. What a, what a really, really cool place to go.
2: And Stephen, answer to your question. I think it was well documented. Uh, Eddie mentioned it on a recent Instagram live. He was over in Monte Carlo for discussions with the the federation and uh, the people that run the show over there. So fingers crossed, we'll have some news. In the coming months, about a return to Monte Carlo, we're both sitting here nodding, so hopefully that gets over the
0: line. Absolutely. Well, we move on now to our Everyone But The Fighter segment. It does exactly what it says in the tin. It's the part of the show where we pay focus to everyone but the fighter. There's many roles, responsibilities, personalities in the sport we're going to be covering in the coming episodes. I'll hand you back over to producer Scott, who's going to explain who we're with this time after what was a brilliant chat with the legendary Jacob Stitch Duran last week, wasn't it?
2: It was mm. a fantastic chat. I think we could probably draft him back in and have a standalone podcast uh, of some sort. Maybe we should um, rename this segment of the podcast, Ron Seal. Everything, you know, the tin? No? Mm. Mm. Stick to producing, producers. <laughs> we <laughs> uh, Like you say, it was a great chat last week um, to discuss cuts. This week, we're going to focus on the art of matchmaking with Golden Boy Promotions Vice President Roberto Diaz.
0: Brilliant. Let's do it. Well, Roberto, it's a pleasure to have you on our new Matchroom podcast. We're here today to talk the art of matchmaking. Before we do, let's just... Now all has been said and done. Hands across the water. Our charge, Mikey McKinson, obviously came over to do his best in what was a very tough fight on paper against your guy, Virgil Ortiz, in Texas. Just talk to us about that fight. How did you see it?
5: Thank you very much for having me. Congratulations on this new podcast. And I'm um, looking forward to many more episodes. McKinson showed a lot to us. Not just the... I mean. He showed the world who he is. But personally, on a personal level, um, it's, it's really, I saw something that I'm really proud of him. I saw something in the kid that, that dared to be great, that not only once, but twice came out across the pond and this time into the lion's den because he literally went into Virgil's backyard, but never once doubted himself, always had the confidence that he was gonna come out with victory. And that's a, that's a, a message to a lot of young fighters. And and this young man really believed in himself. Has nothing to be ashamed of. Needs to hope you know, hold his head up high because I think he made not only the people back home proud, but he made a lot of new fans. And and. Personally, on a personal level, love to see him back because he showed he belonged.
0: Brilliant. Very well said, Roberto. And I'm I'm sure we're in agreement there. Mikey's stock certainly wouldn't have gone down at all from that fight. In terms of what is next for Virgil, though, how do you see his path mapping out for the next 12 months or so?
5: Look, we've been very high on Virgil from the get-go. Every test he's given, he's passing it with flying colours he's a very dedicated young man, always training, wanting to fight the best, not worried about protecting that O, um, ready, ready to take on all the top challenges.
0: You mentioned about protecting the O there, Roberto. In your opinion, do you think there is too much impetus on an unbeaten record these days? Because I think as we're progressing, more fighters who perhaps do take a defeat, they come back stronger. Do you think more fighters need to understand that Losing one fight doesn't define the rest of their career.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. This is a Mayweather generation that we're seeing that all protected. Uh, He did it well. He did it very well. It was successful for him. But it does not outline or determine the fighter's career. You have many fighters in the history of boxing who we still remember today, the Sugar Ray Leonard, the Duran, uh, uh, Nigel Benn. You know, we still remember. I mean, there's very few that retired with the like Calzaghi, Rocky Marciano, and, and, and Mayweather, Filippo Lopez. But there's so many great fighters, Muhammad Ali, uh, De La Hoya, that have lost Trinidad, Roy Jones, and we still remember him as great. It's not about falling down, it's about getting up. And you learn a lot more from these losses sometimes than from the victories. And and, and here's a prime example. Outside of the Mayweather loss, Canelo could have gone the rest of his career undefeated, picking and choosing, cherry-picking, and, and fighting uh, a, a lower-level opponents. But that's a prime example of a fighter who wants to be great. He had already won a light heavyweight championship. For history's purpose, he didn't have to go up and face another light heavyweight champion. But sometimes great fighters get bored and they want challenges. And and that's a prime example. I think after a few more generations and a few more great fighters, that all oh, the Mayweather uh, effect will disappear.
0: Yeah, well said. I think that's a very important message for, for fighters around the world as well. I just want to talk about uh, your journey to this point, Roberto. I believe... You were a probation officer before you jumped into the boxing world, which started off with Marco Antonio Barrera. That's some career change. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and your path to now?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I was a probation officer with the county of San Diego, um, dealing with with adult inmates and then at one point juvenile inmates. I met one of my idols at a mall during Christmas season, and that's Marco Antonio Barrera. He was coming off his loss with Junior Jones. And my message to him was just like, keep your head up. You're still one of the best. And again, he was at the time one of my favorite fighters. Even before he won the world title, I had been following him. I'm still a fan of boxing, but I wasn't the type of fan that would say, can you sign my shirt or can you sign this dollar bill or, or a napkin? If it was boxing related, it had to be a boxing item. If it was baseball or football, whatever the, the sport was, it had to be related to that sport. So I ran around the mall looking for a boxing item, a glove, a headgear, a mouthpiece even. And at the time, uh, you didn't have boxing items. so. And he passed by and I said, if I give you my address, would you mind sending me an autograph, picture or something because I'm a big fan? And he said, sure, give it to me. And sure enough, a couple months later, uh, there was an, an autograph, a t-shirt, a couple items mailed to me. And you can imagine as a fan, I was very excited. I was just very grateful. And, and the relationship continued. Uh, a couple years later, he was gonna fight. Uh, this is before the first Eric Morales fight. And I met him at the fight. He remembered me from San Diego. And then uh, we hit it off. We hit it off. We became friends. He told me to carry the flag inside one of the fights. As a fan, you can imagine, I was very excited. I was—I mean, that made my my day, my, my month, my year. And little by little, it progressed into uh, sponsorships or, or anything I could do we had to help him with the website that we created. And uh, eventually, when he moved on to... A different promoter, when he went over to Golden Boy, he asked me if I would join him. And I said, yes, absolutely. Doing what? And he said, well, you know, you negotiate my fights and purses and opponents. And again, I was a fan of boxing, but I had never done that. And it was uh, some sleepless nights because uh, at first I was like, what if I ruin this man's career? Am I ready for that? Can I do that? But um, I took the challenge. I agreed. And we lost our very first fight with golden boy. It was with Manny Pacquiao. So I said, Oh, there's my debut and there's my retirement in one night. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So he was like, okay, welcome. Goodbye. See ya. I said, we're done. We're going to get cut. We're going to get let go. Marco's probably going to retire. And that's the end of my career. It was a one night. I was a one hit, a one night wonder. And he came back, he was given another fight against Polly Ayala and, The rest is history. We did almost 10 years together. I'm a godfather to his oldest son today. And uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from the fighter side, which helps me tremendously today working with fighters, understanding what they go through, um, the lonely sport when they're in camp, um, all the sacrifices, and how sometimes fans will say, oh, that was an easy fight but there's six, eight, or 10 weeks behind it. So uh, it may look easy, but there's been some hard work put in. So you learn to appreciate the other side, that athlete, the the the, the human side, the individual, and why they fight and why they sacrifice so much. So uh, that was that was like my graduation. Years later, um, when Marco retired, I get a call from Golden Boy, and they asked me if I wanted to, to work for Golden Boy. And I said, in in what aspect to doing what and matchmaking and signing talent. And again, even though I had done it for Marco, like, no, I don't like that style for him and yes, we'll fight this guy, we'll fight that guy. I had never been put on the level of a promoter.
0: What an absolutely incredible story that is. I suppose the question from me, Roberto, is do you ever... Wonder what might have happened if you hadn't met Marco Antonio Barrera that day. I'd
5: probably be locked up with my (laughs) inmates because I would have gone crazy one day with against one of them. I'm just kidding.
0: And in terms of looking at the next generation of fighters coming through, you mentioned about amateurs there coming into the sport with great experience. How much time do you spend, Roberto, in travelling around, putting your scouting hat on, and watching these fights? You know these fights. Away from the public eye you know with really small capacities, really small audiences watching them to try and find the next big star. Well,
5: one of the key things is being there when the four rounders start and seeing the development or seeing sometimes the fighters that are still not signed or, or still looking for that break and seeing how they're progressing or how they're uh, you know, how they're facing that adversity in front of them and those are the type of things that I, I enjoy a lot because I love seeing, that little plant turn into the massive tree. Once, it, once it's that tree, once it's that world champion, once she's there, made it, it's almost like you're sending your son off you know, to college because it's like, okay, you graduated, son. Um, you're on your own now.
0: Roberto, this, these last two questions, we're going to go ask each of our guests who come on in this section. The first one is, how does a fight play out through Roberto Diaz's eyes? Can you enjoy a fight, would you say, once the bell goes? Is that a bit like the hard work's done now or... Are you watching with, with more nerves perhaps perhaps than most? Because ultimately you match this fight and you match these fighters.
5: Depends on the fighter. Depends on the fight sometimes. Uh, there is fights that are made that, you know, I, I, I get frustrated. Uh, there was a fight uh, last year. I was yelling at, and both fighters were mine, and I was yelling at both, bro, bro, come on. Um, you know, because I'm frustrated because at the end of the day, ah, oh, that was a bad match. Why? bad matchmaking it's 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 also sometimes luck you try to entice them uh you know motivate them right before they walk hey give it your best because at the end of the day you want to give the fans some of the best fights out there
0: just finally then roberto it's so interesting to hear all your insight you've mentioned various parts of your skill set the likes of patience maybe financial understanding which you gathered earlier on in your, your relationship with marco what skills do you believe make up the best matchmakers? What What is the number one skill you believe you must have?
5: Patience. Everybody's different. Every fighter's different. Don't give up uh, on the fighter because of one bad performance. In fact, when I first started, I said, I'm not here to make a pretty record. I'm here to build champions.
0: Roberto, great to speak to you. You've helped create so many fantastic world champions. No doubt there's many left to create in your own story as well. Uh, really hope next time we're over in the States, we'll get a chance to catch up. But thanks so much for coming on today.
5: Always a pleasure. I want to say, uh, send a little shout out to a great, great friend, the family, the Hattons, Ricky, Matthew, now Campbell doing this thing. And to everybody out there that's listening to the podcast. Thanks. Keep supporting your, your, sport boxing. We have a lot of great fights coming and let's go. Let's do it. Match match and golden war. We can make some of the best fights out there.
0: Well, it's that time of the week again, Dance Partners. On the face of it, it is quite simple, but let's see if that is the case this week. We speak to a fighter who has had 15 or more pro fights in their career. They then get 30 seconds to name as many of their opponents as they can in that time. We'll formulate a leaderboard in true Top Gear fashion, and the winner will receive a donation to give to a charity of their choice. Now, who could we get on this week was the question. We not only need a very experienced fighter, someone who will probably quite easily leapfrog Darren Barker, and also someone who conveniently trains just down the road, it's John Ryder. If you're going to be a monkey, be the gorilla, just like John Ryder did right there. John, welcome. We last caught up at the Chisora Pulev show at the O2. So you're always at the shows, just a, a boxing fan in general, I think. Yeah, love it. Um,
4: I think I was poncing your, your charger. battery. Yeah, yeah my battery. charger, yeah.
0: Yep. So if anyone's wondering, especially you, Producer Scott, why I couldn't get the winner graphic out as quickly as I could, it's because John Ryder took all my laptop battery.
2: All the battery was gone. Always playing a blame game, Jamie.
0: <laughs> John, good, uh, good start for Arsenal. For all the listeners who don't know, big Arsenal fan. Great uh, start for you look, Arsenal. You look good, first half especially, looked look really
4: good. Yeah, I thought um, first half was great. Um, good to see Jesus on the pitch, yeah. um, but I thought Saka was the man at the moment. But yeah, good good all-round performance, I think, um, with the all-or-nothing coming on Amazon as well. It's uh, Have you seen it yet? I've seen the first three episodes and I love Arteta.
0: Let's just talk about you, John, and, and what's going on. Uh, we were just downstairs there, you're having a little chat with Frank Smith. As I say, you've popped into the office here today. Jaime Munguia. That's a name that Eddie's thrown about. We've even been talking about the Billy Joe Saunders rematch. What can you give us an update on? What could be next for you,
4: mate? It's all about pronunciations. I'm saying Jesus and Jesus, and you're going with Jaime Mungia. Jaime I've called Jamie. Jamie. Yeah, yeah, Jamie. Yeah, <laughs> mate, Jamie. Do you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, Jaime Mungia. is potential. I hear it's getting close, so I hope that can be done. The talk of Billy Joe, but I think it's all gone quiet now. So we'll see.
0: Well, John, you are our second contestant on Dance Partners. Darren Barker landed fourteen. Last week, which he was actually very disappointed about, but that is your benchmark. So no pressure this time round. The winner at the end of the series, as I say, will receive a donation to their chosen charity. You'll hear a thirty-second clock playing very shortly. You've had thirty-five pro fights to date, John. You were talking a pretty good game just before we went on air here when we told you about what this segment involved. So there's a wide pool of fighters for you to pick out from. Is it not like thirty-six now? 36. Unless Producer Scott has had another clanger for the second week running. I think you edited
2: the document, Jeremy. No, but, no, um he's sweating again. Yeah, you might be right. 31 5. i This is <laughs> It is hot. It is hot in here. Um, 35, 36. Uh, who cares? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, John's so, just buying more
2: time, I think, I trying think to is. scramble yeah, some yeah, names yeah, in his head. Yeah, he's yeah,
0: right. Come on, John. No one's perfect, mate. Well, John, you don't have much more time to think about it because we're going to yep. start in three, two, one. 2, 1.
4: Right. Degani. Um, Noble. Blackwell. Saunders, Jacobs, Sirotkin, uh, De, did I say Degani? You did, yep. Yeah, um, oh. O'Kane. <laughs> this is so odd. I think Vegas. My uh, Guy, um, Ackaway.
0: Oh, Ackaway just in. Just like Barker did with Martinez, we'll give you that.
4: What, he left is too last? He got it just wow. right
0: to death. Well, John, also, I'm going gi- to give you some grace here because it is roasting in this recording studio. Very hot. So we'll let you off. Scott, uh, producer Scott, is just tallying up the scorecard now. The official decision is in.
2: John Ryder, you scored nine. That's terrible. Disappointed with that?
0: Um, Yeah, that is terrible. I think you need to go home and have a little look in the mirror, John. Maybe have a, Maybe have a shower
2: that. after this as well because yeah. it is hot in here. Yes.
4: I always think it's a liberty that you're actually taking that as a, a real score. <laughs> I think there's heat. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm not a chef. I can't we'll add a, handle we'll the add a heat. Few on. I'm in the kitchen. It's uh, yeah.
0: Well, that puts John in second place. <laughs> Thankfully for you, John, we've only had two guests on so far, and Darren Barker still in the lead. Well, like last week, we're going to finish up and chat through some shouts by you, the fans, in answer to our question. What was the best thing to happen in boxing last week? Joining us today, 2-0, unbeaten WBC international flyweight champion, Olympic gold medalist, it's Galal Yafai. Well, Galal, thanks for coming on, mate. You made your debut as a design pundit this past weekend. You're also doing some work for the BBC at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. What have you been doing to keep yourself humble now you are a little bit of a big shot these days?
6: (laughs) Um, No, I'm not a big shot. Um,
0: (laughs) No, I'm not a big shot. Um, I I just do exactly what I was
6: doing before, you know, training, just now I get invited to, you know, do a bit of punditry and kind of few things so it's all good
0: how do you find the, the whole experience of, of being in front of camera in that, in that way it's just you know it's just part of boxing
6: I think you just get used to it kind of comes with the territory you know Um, if you do things in boxing then you know you get invited to things and you got to do more things in front of camera and yeah you kind of just get used to it I think
0: obviously the, the big shot very tongue in cheek comment there the, your five family I think what we yeah. always say in boxing such a normal Family, is that is that one of the things that you all pride yourselves on? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I, we, we are
6: normal, you know, it's just boxing, we just box. Um, we've had success a little while, well, a little success in boxing. Um, I don't think you should let it get to your head and you know, I think you're a big shot, like you said. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's just it's just boxing, we love boxing, and I think it's just the way everyone should be, really.
0: And in terms of the Birmingham angle, obviously, delicious, sorry, great success for him on the weekend. We'll come on to talk about him in a little while, but. For you guys, yeah. for the brothers to have a big showcase not in Birmingham, how important would that be to the family and to the city as well?
6: Yeah, it'd be wicked. Obviously, Count um, Gamal boxed said before. You know, matching shows have gone to Birmingham before. Um, but it was missing me. So um, hopefully we can do one in the future and maybe I can top it. Maybe come up here. I was going Ma- to
0: say, yeah, are you in are you the main event? How, how are you going to figure this one out? I suppose it depends who you're what, fighting.
6: Uh, right? Yeah, what do you think?
0: Oh, it's a so oh, tough one. <laughs> yeah. be on the spot there. I'm fine. It. I, I know. Feel, I mean, I'm I, mean you you, I mean, you've not won a world title yet, mate. So I think you need to get in the queue behind the break. I know. I know, I need to chill out, though, and no. all. Yeah, we. Well, you've <laughs> not won a European title yet either. You've not won a British title. So, <laughs> all right, mate. All right. Keep them up. Big shot was quite accurate, I think. Galway. <laughs> <laughs> in your opinion, it's been a, a busy week in boxing. Uh, what was the best thing to happen in boxing last week, as far as you're concerned?
2: Um.
6: Well, we did a few things, really. Obviously, um, Team GB, obviously, did well in in the um, Commonwealth Games. Loads of medals from golden boys. Um, I think Dalton as well was, was brilliant, you know, British champion. He's someone that I've come up with as an amateur through GB and it's good to see him shine. Um, but yeah, I think the come off as well was brilliant. Uh, Edwin in Birmingham, was he was literally 10 minutes from where I live and, you know, they were like, you know, making their dreams come true and winning gold medals and, and things like that. So um, I think that was good.
2: Yeah, Galal, uh, AB on our YouTube community page agrees with you and, and says the Commonwealth Games' home nation's massive medal haul was the best thing to happen in boxing last week. The prospects of the future in the UK shining through. So, yeah, let's um, let's give a shout-out to Delicious, uh, Lewis Williams, Rosie Eccles, Sam Hickey, Reese Lynch, and I'm missing one, I think Croft, I think, from, from Wales as well. So Yeah, an,
6: Croft, yeah.
2: An incredible achievement uh, for all the gold medals.
6: Yeah, wicked. Obviously, I've trained with them all in a in week, and... You know, seen how how hard they were training, not even the gold medalists to the, the people that did win medals, and you know, silver medalists and bronze medalists, um, they've all done an incredible job, and it's all thanks to you know the people at Chibi Boxing, the, the coaches, and, and all the backroom staff.
0: Well, Galau, you might think that Scott's my boss from what you've seen throughout the matchroom hierarchy. Yeah, but the
2: contract on, don't lie. The contract don't lie.
0: On, on this show, he's known as producer Scott. So we're going to... Uh, we're he, going to, to he told me with your box, though. No, no, no. He's not con- on this, he's not.
2: He's conveniently on mute now. He's pretending he can't, he can't hear you, Galal. But yeah, the contract, don't lie, Joe. Oh, is so, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got your own back on me then. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to uh, we're gonna throw to Producer Scott now, who's going to give us a few more shouts from the fans, Galal, and we can go over them. So here is Producer Scott.
2: That's not going to catch on. But anyway, no worries. Um, Carl says, Joe versus Joe was the best thing to happen in boxing last week. Not much else to say. The fight is on.
0: Great fight, that. Great fight. Is that one you're excited for, Glow? I presume Joe Joyce is someone you must have known for a few years now around the circuit.
2: Yeah,
6: definitely. Um, I think Joe deserves that as well. Um, but I, to be fair, I'm a big fan of both of them. Um, but I just think Joe, Joe Joyce needs his break in boxing and I think his fight is the one for him and I'll be rooting for him. Um, you know, he's a tremendous fighter and he's probably a deserving Olympic champion.
2: Theo Baker says Sonny Edwards appearing in and around the matchroom circle last week in Sheffield was the best thing to
0: happen in boxing last week. Well, one thing I will say about Sonny, what a, br- <laughs> what a brilliant interviewer. I mean, I don't know if you see uh, the interview he did on IFL, sort of F1 vibes where he's floating around talking to everyone. Let's just talk to uh, to you, Galau, about Sonny, someone you've sparred, someone you know well, a big potential fight coming up between the pair of you in the future. What do you make of him as, as a man and as a fighter as well? Um,
6: yeah, I I'll get along with Sonny. Um, it's quick. we're both like rivals and... Um, but yeah we sparred recently like a few months ago um, yeah we, we, we're sound he's a great fighter he's a world champion and we would, I was talking over there on and, and his own country um, channel and you know hopefully he can just keep his belt I can keep winning and hopefully we can you know get it on in the future
0: what, what do you make of the Martinez fight Galileo? yeah I think it's a great fight it's like ball v
6: matador you know Sonny's a boxer pure boxer and the back foot and we want a Martinez a little ball he's just going to come forward and and so knock you out um so it's a great fight for the fans. I'm sitting on the fence with who I think is going to win it. It's a, it's a, it's a good fight if it does happen. World champion be world champion. So yeah, I'll be I'll be looking on in in excitement.
0: Echo that. Can't wait for for that to hopefully happen very soon. For you, Galau, obviously last time out, magical night at Madison Square Garden in New York. How do you reflect on that? And what can you tell us about what's coming up next?
6: Yeah, New York was amazing, man. It was like I used to boxing in European countries around the world, and then next minute I'm in Madison Square Garden, New York. What a night! It was brilliant. Probably something that at the time I didn't really care about it trying to fight and win now that I look back it, it was a brilliant night um, but hopefully I'll be fighting in the next say, in the next two months I can't give too much away I'm here in maybe October time so.
0: well Galal great to speak to you as always my friend we look forward to some fighting news soon
6: I uh, appreciate but, it thank you and movie. hopefully I can I can win a world title in the next four years or two and you can change your mind about me being number one
0: <laughs> in the AFI family absolutely I will do that just that and let's see if you uh, still remain not a big shot when you are a real superstar of the sport. <laughs> hey come on
6: mate keep them up people
0: just <laughs> <laughs> okay. now, mate. Cheers, Take yeah. care. Well, another great show here, live and direct from Brentwood, Essex, at the Matram HQ. Big thanks, as always, to all of our guests, Galahy Fire, John Ryder. Dalton Smith, Roberto Diaz and, of course, the legendary Katie Taylor. The focus at Matchroom, of course, switches now to next week with a small matter of the unified World Heavyweight titles being on the line in Saudi Arabia. We'll have a few very special guests who are involved in that show appearing on Episode 3. As always, please follow, like, subscribe and share the podcast. Send in any of your questions, suggestions and shouts or even a little bit of abuse. About the best thing to happen in boxing last week. So flash knockdown at That's flash knockdown at We'll be sure to bring them up on next week's show. Until then, I've been Jamie Ward. We'll see you next week. Take care.